a great time of worship and uh, great to have guests here this morning and people not always not always here. Fantastic. Now, you may be able to tell from my voice that I, I haven't been all that well. I'll try that again. You, you, you may be able to tell from my voice that I haven't, I haven't been all that well. Do you think I want your sympathy? Okay. Um, but um, to be honest, it's not all about me. In con- uh, but don't miss next week, because it's all about Barry. You know, Easter morning... Well, who's it about? Oh, it's about Barry. You know, the, yeah, there, are, there are parts of Barry that have never been exposed in public before. I'm so pleased about that. Anyway, um, so do come along next week, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Morning. I doubt if it's all going to be about Barry. Um, I hope not, anyway. Um, this morning, my title is Two Peaks. Oh, I better get this thing going. Where is it? Yeah. Am I, am I ready? Yeah, okay. So we're going to read a scripture, and this is Palm Sunday. You, you'll have noticed that, haven't you? You know this is Palm Sunday. This is the day when we remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the people tearing off the palm leaves and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But I want to just backtrack a little bit, and my title is Two Peaks. By the way, those are they're called the Pitons. They're in the Caribbean island of St. Lucia. And we're not going to St. Lucia this morning, but there are two peaks. That's why I chose that picture. So we're going to read this passage. And here it goes. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. There we are. The most important part of this morning's sermon is the reading of the Scripture. So we're going to just pray, ask God to open it up to us and what he wants to say to us this morning. Heavenly Father, Just thank you for your word which has been preserved down through the centuries and millennia. Thank you, Lord, that in it you just reveal so much about yourself and about Jesus and about us. 
So Lord, I pray that you would just help us to, to see you in more glory this morning ourselves. Lord, I pray you would just speak to each one of us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're not going to um, Palm Sunday just at the moment. We're going back to where, uh, a few weeks ago, Malcolm took us in his boat cruise down the River Jordan. But where it starts, Mount Hermon, up at the northernmost point of Israel. And this, by all accounts, is where the passage that we've just read actually took place. The high mountain. This is the highest mountain in Israel, right at the very tip. And it's in the region which is known as Caesarea Philippi. And it's there that Jesus took his disciples. Now, just again, I, I, we may have, we've covered this before, but this is a place where there was all sorts of abominable practices going on. It was awful. It's the place where no self-respecting Christian would ever be seen. There was all sorts of worship of idols, uh, Baal worship, um, the uh, worship of Pan, the god of who knows what, um, sacrifices, all sorts of debauchery and all sorts of awful stuff going on. And there was a whole city built there which was basically there to facilitate worshipping all the things that God finds abominable. And so this is where Jesus, this is the region where Jesus is, but he takes his three of his disciples up the high mountain. And what they see there is completely and incredibly remarkable. It changed the lives of those three disciples who were, who were asked to go with Jesus up this mountain because they saw something that they'd never, ever thought of before, something they'd never, ever envisaged before. And what they really saw, the remarkable thing was it, it was, was the proof that Jesus really was the Son of God. Yeah, they knew Jesus. They'd, they'd lived their lives with him for, for three years. They knew him very well. They knew what he was like. They knew his characteristics. They knew how he, he went to help people. How he did so many things. The miracles he had done. They knew Jesus. But up here, if they needed it, this confirmed that Jesus was not just the man, but he was the Son of God. He was truly not just the Son of God, but God himself. And up there on that mountain, they go up the mountain and they see Moses and Elijah appear to them. Moses and Elijah, two characters from centuries before. People whose writings, undoubtedly, they read and heard many times over. And there they were, in the flesh, on that mountain, Mount Hermon. And 
You know, why? Why not somebody else? Why not Adam? Why not King David? Well, the reason is, I believe, is that Moses represents the law. Moses is the one who received from God the Ten Commandments and the other laws and passed them on to the people. And they all thought, yeah, just keep these rules, it's no problem. Except it is a problem and we can't keep the laws. There was only one person on that mountain who can keep the law in all its fullness, could keep the law completely and perfectly, and that was Jesus. So Moses there represents the law, the law that no one can keep except Jesus. And then there's Elijah, because Elijah represents all the prophets, the ones who foretold the coming of the Messiah. The ones who down the centuries, if you go through the Old Testament, you pick out little bits here and there. You tease them out and you get a picture of what is to come. And yet the majority of the Jewish people weren't ready, didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So there's Moses who gave them the law that nobody could keep except Jesus. And then there's Elijah there who gave all the, all the clue, you know, who represented the other prophets as well, who gave all the hints that there was to come, the Messiah. And there they are, up on the mountain. And there, there's the, the fulfillment of all those prophecies there on the mountain. So Peter always comes up with a bright idea. Hey, I've got a great idea, God. I'm sorry, not God, but Jesus, but the same thing. I've got a fantastic idea. I'm going to build you three tents, three shelters, and we'll stay up here, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and we'll stay up here. It's a great place to be. Oh, this is fantastic. We're going to set up camp here. Let's do it. Always rely on Peter to come up with a bright idea. But he meant well. His heart was in the right place. And there they are, up on that mountaintop. And if ever there's anybody experiencing a mountaintop experience, it's those Peter, James and John. They are really right up there, literally in the clouds, but on cloud nine as well. There's Jesus revealed to them. And then, well, let's just go back a little bit. Because, you, I don't know if you noticed, at the beginning of the first reading, it says, after six days. Well, what happened six days before that? Well, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So just before that, six days earlier, Peter had got it right. 
Peter had got it absolutely right and Jesus asked him, you know, who, who, am, who am I? Who do you say I am? You are the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He got it right. But he didn't get it completely right because if we read on, you see that Jesus talks about him. he's going to have to go and be crucified and be put to death and he's going to rise again. And he's going to be taken from them. Peter doesn't like this. And Peter says, no, you're not. I'm never going to let that happen. No way is this going to happen. I'll tell you one thing. You got it wrong, Jesus. I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to put up with that kind of thing. You aren't going anywhere. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Peter gets it right and he gets it wrong. Probably a bit like you and me. Sometimes we say the right thing. Sometimes we know the right thing. Other times, we come up with daft ideas and we say the wrong thing and we put our foot in it and we launch out when we shouldn't. And you know, I mean, Roman Catholics believe that Peter was the first Pope and uh, they take this, you know, you're Peter the rock and on this rock because they don't quite interpret the scripture correctly. Funny thing to say to the Pope, isn't it? Get behind me, Satan. Peter wasn't the Pope. In fact, the whole idea of a Pope is wrong anyway. Somebody infallible man on earth who is a part of the heritage, that's wrong. We don't believe in it. No offence to any Roman Catholics, but that's not correct because uh, it's misinterpretation of Scripture, I'm afraid. But what happened then was this voice came. So when Peter's up on this mountain, this voice comes and says, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased with him. That's God speaking. This bright cloud lights up and these fellas, they can't take this and they're down on the floor, absolutely scared stiff. But that proved once and for all, there's God speaking from heaven saying, this is my son. And that proved to them, as it, I'm sure it proves to us, that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And Jesus is who he claims to be. He is the Son of God and God the Son. And that's the point. We've all had really uplifting experiences, which we can say are mountaintop experiences. But you can't stay there. You can't stay on the mountain forever. And it just brought to mind this, this uh, it's a song that I heard years ago, just the words, for a guy called John Pantry. Anybody ever heard of John Pantry? I don't know if he drove a larder or something, but... All right, okay. Um, God is moving on, and we must, and I must follow where he leads. There's almost, always one more corner I must turn, one more bridge to cross, or one more mountain I must climb, one more stream to cross. Because God is moving on. 
It's great to have mountaintop experiences. It's great when God reveals something to you or you know God in a particularly new way. Or it's, it's fabulous. Or you, know, you have a great time of worship or God answers a prayer in a very special way. It makes you, it lifts you up to the mountaintop. You can't stay on the mountaintop. Jesus couldn't stay on the mountaintop. He had to come down because there was another job to do. There was more work to accomplish. And he had to go. He had to go to Jerusalem. He had to go and ride into Jerusalem on a donkey where, as we're remembering today on Palm Sunday, the the people were absolutely wonderful, you know, welcoming him into Jerusalem and pulling down the palm leaves and spreading them in the way. You know, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then after that, Jesus goes and he, he has the last supper with his disciples. And then he had to climb the hill of Calvary. And that's the, the other peak. We've been to Mount Hermon, but we're going to Calvary now. And if you look at the differences between them, so I've put up there, Transfiguration on Mount Hermon, but the Crucifixion, Calvary. And the Transfiguration of Jesus is where God revealed Jesus to those disciples in all his glory. He had just, prior to that, he had appeared as an ordinary man, definitely a fully human man. And God revealed that Jesus was not just a man. In fact, more than anything, that he was God himself. However, from Jesus being shown in all his glory, Jesus went to Calvary. And there he was in shame. The crucifixion was a shameful death. It was picked for people who were particularly who really needed to be made an example of and the shame of Calvary and then on the Mount of Transfiguration there's Moses and Elijah appear and on the hill of Calvary there's Jesus crucified between two criminals people who deserved whether you think of capital punishment or not but they deserved the punishment Jesus did not deserve that punishment because Jesus had kept the law completely. And then on the, the, hill, the Mount of Transfiguration, a bright cloud appeared. But on Calvary, darkness came. The light of God was being attempted to be put out on Calvary. Not successfully, praise the Lord. And God said to Jesus on that Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved Son. And on the hill of Calvary, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter says, it's good to be here. Let's stay here, this is great. But he had a very different attitude I don't want to be here. He made that quite clear when he denied Jesus. That would be another strange thing for a Pope to do, wouldn't it be, to deny Jesus? 
But anyway, so they're the, they're the contrasts. So, in this, what I'm trying to say to you is that God does give us mountaintop experiences. And I can remember, I mean, this is spring harvest season again, isn't it? Who's off to spring harvest? Excellent. Do you know that a party from this church, including me and a few others here, Barry and co, we went to the very first spring harvest from this church, 1979. The very first, 3,000 people went to Prestatin, Tower Beach, Prestatin. And I have to say, it was one of those incredible mountaintop experiences, especially for me. I thought it was absolutely wonderful being with all these Christians, worshipping God, praising God, hearing God's word. And I would have liked to have stayed there. I mean, the accommodation wasn't wonderful, but it was. those were Pont- Pontins holiday camps in those days. But the experience was fantastic. But that's not real life. And God has work for you to do. You can't sit basking in past experiences, no matter how good they were. What you can do is you can remember them and you can praise God for them, but you've got to go on from there. And you cannot. Jesus could not stay up on the Mount of Transfiguration, otherwise we're sunk. Jesus came down and he went up another mountain. He was beaten, he was tortured, he was ridiculed, he was spat upon. He was carrying a cross. And the reason, brothers and sisters, he was doing it was for you. That's why he was doing it. He could have stayed in heaven. He had every right to stay in heaven and say, well, blow the lot of you. I couldn't care less about you. Who being in very nature God, this is encouraging us to have the same attitude as Jesus. Strange, I didn't copy that onto my tablet. Anyway, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient obedient to death even death on the cross. So my encouragement to you is, let's enjoy those mountaintop experiences. Let's revel in them, because God wants to give us those uplifting times. He wants to really pour out his spirit, fill us with his goodness. He wants to encourage us. You might think, I haven't had one of those for a long time. Well, God has them for you. We can climb the mountains and we can enjoy those great experiences. But God has something else for you to do. You don't stay on the mountain. You remember God's goodness. You go over it and you say, God, you really bless me. You learn things from what God is saying to you in your life. But there are things he wants you to achieve. Even Peter, who came up with the bright idea of stopping up there in the three tents, opened a campsite on the top of Mount Hermon 
but for very special people. But God wants to take you on. God is moving on. We must follow where he leads. There's one more corner I must turn. One more bridge to cross. God wants to take us on. And as we remember those people who worshipped him as he came into Jerusalem, and some people then were calling for him to be crucified the following week, we go on through this week, what we call Holy Week. Let's remember the goodness of Jesus, what he's done for us, what he was prepared to do for us, how he felt that you were worth it. You were worth it for him to lower himself from the glory of heaven, to come down to this earth, to be a man, to put up with all the hassle and all the nonsense that this world has to throw around. Goodness me, it throws a lot of nonsense around, that's for sure. We see it every day. But God has great plans for you. But it's not about you. It's about him. For his glory. Let's pray, and I'll hand back to Barry. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for those mountaintop experiences that we can enjoy, that we can really bask in, we can revel in, we can say, God is good. But Lord, thank you that you have a purpose for us in our lives. You have things for us to do. Jesus had to come down from the mountaintop experience. We have to do the same. We have to go on and walk with you, Father. And yet you are with us every step of the way. Help us, Lord, to reach out to you, to rely on you, to put you in our hearts more and more, to give you access to all the areas of our lives where we try and shut you out. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go through this week, you would just keep us focused on you and on Jesus, what he's done for us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.